Welcome to Future Proof, the marketing podcast from Kantar and Said Business School, University of Oxford. In each episode, we speak to industry experts about the changing landscape of marketing, sharing evidence and inspiration for the future. I'm Jane Osler, EVP, Creative and Media Solutions. Our guests today are Graham Page, who's Global Managing Director of Media Analytics at Affectiva. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And my colleague, Vera Sidlova, who's Global Director Creative at Kantar. So welcome to both of you. We've got a really interesting topic lined up for you today. We're going to be talking about some recent research from Kantar that we did with Affectiva about how brands can actually create campaigns on the topic of sustainability that resonate with consumers. And there's some really fascinating learnings and some understanding that we'd like to share with you. So first of all, why don't we just start with you, Graham? Thank you for speaking to us today. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do at Affectiva? Well, thanks for inviting me onto the podcast. Always happy to talk about what we do and and particularly the topic of sustainability. So as as background, I'm uh, Graham, as you said, I run the uh, media analytics division for Affectiva, which is part of a larger organization called SmartEye. And the work we do is really about helping businesses understand how people and consumers are feeling. And the way we do that is through an AI-led emotion AI technology, which looks at people's facial expressions to understand if like the emotional states that they feel without them having to answer questions, without having to probe for them and make them kind of interrogate them about how they they feel. So that's used in a lot of different markets and and areas. So uh, including advertising development work, which is obviously where we we partner a lot with Kantar. So um, always, always happy to talk about that. The tech is also used in some other sectors as well. So uh, along with uh, our smart eye parent, we do a lot of work in the automotive sector, helping understand um, uh, drivers' state of mind and and our part of driver safety systems there. But uh, yeah, widely used across uh, a number of industries, but most relevant here is the work we do uh, in advertising. Great. And Vera, why don't you tell us a little bit about your role and also about how we work with Affectiva in our solutions? Yeah, so I uh, work in the creative team here at Kantar. And what we do is try and help our clients develop really great creative that helps them grow their brands. And one way of doing that is really making sure that they understand their audience and how they're reacting to the creative they put out. And our partnership with Affectiva is absolutely crucial in that because as Graham just said, we need to understand how people are feeling as they watch the ads and their faces often show what 
they won't admit themselves. And so actually looking at the differences between what they say and what their faces show is often a goldmine for um, really great insights into how we can make the ads better. And that could mean making the ad easier to understand, but it could also uh, mean removing certain um, elements for better performance. It could mean cutting it down in a way where you can save um, on your airtime um, and actually have great ROI with the shorter ad. So there's just so many different applications, but really integrating that emotion AI piece into what we do um, is crucial for us to be able to help clients create effective advertising. Great. Let's move on to the topic of sustainability now, because it's, it's a fairly broad term, and I think different people understand different things by it. So there is a definition, which is about you know the balance of society and the economy and the environment for long-term resilience. And so if we're looking at advertising, I think some of the things that we've found in our research is that people have got quite high expectations of brands. Um, So for example, in sustainability matters, 63% of consumers expect brands to lead the way. So nearly two thirds of people expect brands to lead the way. However, about the same amount, 64% are actually skeptical of brands doing it just for profit. So Vera, what do you think is behind this this conundrum? What do consumers really want brands to do? So I think consumers know that they are each just one person in the big mosaic of the world. And alone, it's unlikely that, you know, you or me would be able to tackle the problems of today, such as climate change or um, access to water, etc. And they do see brands as big players in these issues. So what they expect from brands is for them to do a good job, maybe limiting the negative impact they have on their surroundings. But also they do want to see brands innovating in this space and really do their best that they can for society. Now, where I think some of the skepticism comes from is often a disparity between what a brand appears to be like and what people know that the brand actually does. So there could be a differential between you actually saying you do certain things, but maybe certain parts of your supply chain haven't been optimized for a great environmental impact. And consumers are sensitive to that. They do um, read up on brands, they have high expectations. And so really there is a high standard put on brands in terms of having all of their ducks in a row when it comes to sustainability. I think another reason why consumers are skeptical is actually down to advertising because We have seen, and I think we can all picture ads we've seen in the past, where brands are painting the world pink almost, like it's everything looks great, you're going to save the planet, save the future, everyone's going to be having a good time. And at the same time, uh, we know that it's just not as easy. Um, I think all consumers realize that the job of sustainability is not an easy job. And so when brands make it look too easy and put themselves as the only players in that consumers are you know they see through it they know it's not the only way to get things right and so I think the challenge for brands is to be clear on what role you play be transparent about where you're at and tell consumers about how you can work together with them in achieving it but not positioning yourself as the sole actor in this um, or overclaiming about what people can do in collaboration with you yeah just to build on that I think there isn't you know there is an interesting opportunity in some ways for brands not just i mean clearly there's a there's a moral imperative for for brands and businesses to to be part of the solution um and and to be more sustainable but there is an interesting opportunity in the sense that i think people are worried about clearly worried about this issue it's a it's a big deal to them uh, but there's a sense of powerlessness that many people feel so i think they 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 have to look to 
businesses uh, and to brands and to governments to, to, to help them make a difference. But I think any organization or any business that can help people act on, on those concerns that they have and feel like they're making a difference potentially has a, a significant opportunity, not just to make a, a genuine difference, but also to get you know, some of the benefit from that in terms of, in terms of consumer goodwill. Because people really want to see something change and, and, and make a difference, uh, but they're also feeling like you know, it's, it's just not something that they can do on their own. So help is, help is required. So let's talk a little bit about the findings from the, the, the research, which was taken from large data set of, of link survey data, as well as emotion AI data. Um, Vera, can you just let us know a little bit about how you went about doing the research and what the findings were? We took a look at our database of the thousands of ads that we test together. And what we looked at first was how many ads actually contain either social or environmental messaging. And when we looked at that data, it was quite stunning because just a couple of years ago, it would be about 1% of the total ads we've tested. Only 1% would contain a message that would pertain to social or uh, environmental issues. Uh, but nowadays, we're at 6%. So actually, over the span of about 10 years, we've gone from 1 to 6. So that's shows us that brands are talking about these issues more and more. What we then did is we tried to understand what it means to get it right in this space. So we have looked at all the ads that include this kind of messaging, and we've looked at how they perform compared to ads that don't have this messaging. And there we found an interesting aspect in terms of emotion. So if your ad includes a social or environmental message, it is going to be more intense emotionally, both in the positive and in the negative sense. So these ads, because they're tackling serious topics, they're more likely to inspire confidence, for example, but also guilt. So there is a certain charge that these ads bring that they have to wrestle with. And the thing that we did next is we separated the ads into top and bottom performers. So we've looked at the top 25% and the bottom 25%, and we've watched them all to identify what they have in common. And we've applied a behavioral science eye to it to understand what separates the top performers from the bottom ones? How are they positioning the sustainability messaging? What are they get, trying to get across? And why are they more successful than the their counterparts? Let's talk a little bit about why emotions are actually important in all of this, Graham. So what is the actual role for emotions in communi- communicating sustainability? Why is, why is considering emotion important, do you think? I guess there's a, there's a couple of answers to that. I mean, one is that, you know, emotion is incredibly powerful in, in effective communication in general, and there's absolutely no reason why sustainability messaging would be, be any different. So, so, you know, creative content that engages people emotionally that, that speaks to something that's important to them is, is always more powerful and and you know that's as Vera was saying earlier one of the reasons why why understanding how people feel as they they watch content is is really important for uh, for helping optimize um, ads so sustainability messaging isn't any different in that regard but perhaps more importantly it's in its own right it's a really emotive concept it's a really emotional space that people feel strongly about so of course people are going to feel equally strongly about um, uh, the messaging and the content um, in that in that area so getting it right helping people to feel something which is both you know important to them and powerful but which is also motivating is obviously very you know very important and i think to to kind of build on on some of the analysis that vera was beginning to outline one of the things that was really interesting in the in the data that we saw is that 
there is that difference between ads with sustainability messaging and ads without in terms of you know, generating strong feelings. But the top and bottom performers did perform in a different way. So the, the, the less effective uh, ads with sustainability messages generated quite a lot of negative feelings. They would generate, you know, people were saying they felt guilty, they, but they also felt inadequate and they felt sad. Um, and when we looked at the face, the kind of the expressions that people show when they watch that content, we saw a really similar kind of parallel. We were seeing that the, the bottom performers tended to invoke more negative expressions. So uh, downturn mouths, brow furrows, whereas actually the positive performers did something different. They did invoke some measures, some, some emotions like guilt, but they also had a more positive tone and a more uh, kind of uplifting outcome. They were showing more people were showing more smiles, more expressions of, of joy in those in that ad. They were set those sorts of ads. You know, they were saying they were feeling confident and inspired um, uh, in a way that the bottom performers didn't. So I think there's a really interesting nuance here, and in it's not it's not a surprise that people are going to feel guilty when they're when the topic is sustainability, because we've you know government's business, but people as well all have a collective responsibility around the state of the world and global warming and so on. So people will feel some guilt. But I think the, what's interesting is the successful campaigns tend to be the ones that show a, a way out, that show some kind of positive outcome that, that people can act upon. And so it was really interesting that that came through across this analysis of kind of the you know, the top and bottom performers. That's interesting thinking about the ones who, who've got it right. Let's let's just talk a little bit, Vera, about some of the ones who've, who've got it wrong. So we've seen some examples recently of advertising regulators banning quite a few ads um, which are on sustainability topics um, because they are overclaiming um, you know, saving the planet and, and that kind of thing. Why why do advertisers get this wrong, do you think? Why do they get it so wrong? There are two pieces to it. And one I think is relatively understandable because we know our brains are lazy and consumer brains are lazy. So to get your message across, you do need to keep it simple. Um, and if you are trying to keep it simple, that means you're probably leaving a lot of things out and some of it might not even be intentional. So you might be just trying to show how a particular product um, helps in a person's life. And in doing that, you oversimplify and what you actually... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Get banned on is you not... Um, sharing all the fine print of how you produce everything or how a particular part of your packaging has come to be. Um, and that is a really interesting tension because ads 
realistically probably can't go to that level of detail, right? It's very hard to imagine that all of the advertising around us would contain all the details about supply chains and production. And it would just probably be that all of our ads would last half an hour and it would be a lot of small print. So that that is on, on one hand, um, a really tough standard that's being set out. On the other hand, we do need to recognize that some of the claims can be seen as misleading because you could be positioning a particular brand as uh, having a net zero effect on the environment when in fact it might not be the case. So that I do see it as a space of tension where brands really have to find a middle ground where they're transparent about what they do, where they stand, but doing it in a way that you know a 30 second or 60 second piece of creative can deliver or even a, um, even a poster. So it is going to be um, a challenge. But what I'd say we've seen with some of the less effective ads is consumers are also able to pick up on this. So while they might they might not be able to pick up on things like how you farm a certain ingredient or how you've created certain packaging, if you're overclaiming in the sense that you position a particular brand as the solution to all of the planet's problems, they will pick up on that and it will generate a sense of skepticism. So I do think that brands have to think about a sticking by the local rules they have to based on regulators, but they really need to put themselves into consumer shoes and trying to see it their way and where people see a place for the brand. And it could be that the expectations people have are actually a bit different from what some of the brands may have been claiming in the past. I think there is a point here around authenticity. I, I think consumers are really good at spotting when brands are being inauthentic. You know, there are, there are many brands you know now in the business which are based on essentially a, you know, a sustainability premise and and those brands you know have perhaps a in some ways an easier time of, of picking their messaging but, but there are many brands that clearly have a long heritage that may have in the past not necessarily had the strongest track record on sustainability so brands have to be particularly in those situations have to be humble they have to acknowledge where they've come from and, and you know it's not credible for certain brands to suddenly be eco-warriors and and kind of have this transformation but they can still demonstrate that change has happened and that's in and that they have changed and that they are making a difference so being realistic about where you're coming from i think is really important in finding that middle ground that vera was talking about between overclaim and you know going into such detail that you know everybody is kind of uh, has lost interest i guess it makes it makes a lot of sense that actually what brands have to do is not only find something that's authentic to them but also hopefully differentiates them in the space as well. So I think what we saw certainly around the pandemic was a lot of ads that became very generic around, you know, we're here to help and things like that, which actually aren't necessarily unique unless you back it up with some really kind of solid, you know, information or action that the brand is taking. So brands need to avoid going too broad on this topic. Otherwise, it is unbelievable. So let's talk a little bit about the case studies that we put together um, and that we explored as part of this research, which incorporated some psychological levers and we identified which ones work best. Vera, can you just talk about a couple of examples there? So we looked at the most effective ads with sustainable messaging through a behavioral science lens, and we identified five levers that a lot of these ads often included. One of them was giving people a sense of control. So rather than passing judgment on what is good sustainable behavior or not, the ads were uh, showing something that 
was basically giving the choice to the consumer about how to behave. And that was framed as an inspiration rather than um, a signposted behavior as either sustainable or not. Um, another lever we saw uh, was nature connectedness. So it was showing that we as people are connected to nature, we're one with nature and trying to use those elements to motivate people to behave more sustainably. Another one that we saw that I personally found really interesting was um, mitigating present bias. So we do know that a barrier to sustainable behavior is that many people feel like the effects of climate change will be felt only in the future. And so they can't see the impact of the choices they make today soon. Um, and that's why they actually make other choices instead that could be acting on price or convenience. And we've seen some ads that actually acknowledge that and try to, through creative, they try to show uh, the importance of making those actions today so that the world's a better place further uh, down uh, in time. So those are just three I've mentioned of the five that we've looked at. And we then uh, said, well, let's look at some ads that have these and test them and look at case studies. One of my favorites uh, was the seventh generation trees and bees, which is an ad for uh, recycled toilet paper. And it uses the famous American comedian Maya Rudolph, who sings a song about the importance of using recycled toilet paper. And it's just brilliant. It's funny. It doesn't have any of the doom and gloom um, and guilt that we would see in some of the other advertising we've looked at. And it really resonated with people. So it left them feeling good, confident, um, inspired inspired and really something like you can do. It's giving you that sense of control. Another ad that I personally found really inspiring uh, from the case studies was an ad that uh, wasn't trying to position itself as sustainable at all. So it didn't make any references to uh, sustainability, but it was an ad from the butter brand Lurpak. And it was showing how people can get more creative um, in their cooking. And it was this really stellar piece of creative work, really well produced. Um, and the vignettes of people getting creative cooking were actually vignettes of people preventing food waste in their homes. So using a back of the cupboard onion and saving it through um, a recipe and making a frittata, for example. There were all these examples in the ad, but without making any references to either you needing to be more sustainable or the brand helping you to be sustainable. So it was a very subtle ad in that manner. But what we found was interesting about that one is that it resonated with people differently. So based on your attitude towards uh, the environment, and we'll probably talk about this a bit more um, later on, this particular ad that didn't make reference to sustainability resonated very well with people who actually are dismissive about behaving sustainably in the everyday. And that to me showed that you can get yourself uh, to resonate with anyone if only you get it right with your creative choices. And so if you understand the people you're speaking to, you can get your points across in a way that resonates, that doesn't feel preachy, uh, and that they actually really enjoy watching. So that was a bit of an eye-opener for us, for us, I think, because we have a tendency of sometimes feeling that some skeptics cannot be reached ever and the show that you can do it with the right creative. So Graham, what should advertisers think about then when they're developing their creative content and the theme is sustainability? What, what do they need to take into account? I mean, I think one of the things that came through for me from both the, the broader analysis and, and looking at the case studies was, I guess, the importance of telling accessible narratives. I think there is, as we said earlier, there's a, there's, it's easy to be quite kind of doom and gloom about the, this topic, and, and it's entirely understandable because it's serious and, and it's important. 
but that does risk i think that that kind of element of rejection and guilt that we talked about earlier so to me you know some of the the most successful cases were the ones that were tackling the issue via more accessible narratives be that through say the humor that vera was talking about in the seventh generation spot but also other other things there was a a, a great co-op spot that that we we looked at that told a, a an accessible story of kind of an older gentleman leaving his house kind of experiencing the joys of nature but also it showed him recycling plastic bags at, at the co-op store and you know the the staff were kind of acknowledging him and then he was kind of rewarded in the sense for being out but also for good behavior and and it was really interesting in that again it's just a it's a much more accessible way of dealing with the topic it's something that people can identify with they could identify with him uh, and the behavior so i think that sort of approach which uh, you know uses positivity humor accessible storytelling i think is, is potentially much more powerful than something that's much more of a rational argument because i think that this argument is is perhaps difficult and leads to potentially rejection more accessible storytelling, I think, is is particularly for people who are less committed to the cause or less kind of for whom you know sustainability issues are less front and center in their everyday lives, particularly when shopping. You know, that more accessible, memorable storytelling can perhaps be be more powerful. So, Vera, another thing that fed into this research was a segmentation. So, looking at how we understood different types of audiences and their views about sustainability and how that fed into their reactions um, and insights around the advertising. So, just tell us a little bit about this, the segmentation. The segmentation was developed by uh, the Sustainable Transformation Practice here at Kantar. And what it really does is it looks at how people are engaging with sustainability in their everyday lives. And it splits people into four groups. So we've got the actives, and I think of them as those that are convinced and they do everything they can um, most of the time to behave sustainably. Then we've got the believers who you know, try to do as much as possible, but there might still be some limits to their engagement and they occasionally might not do uh, stuff in a sustainable way. And then we've got the considerers who are aware of needing to do more, but again, face a lot of barriers to actually achieving that. So they're aware, but they often um, might make other choices that could be on price or because of convenience or accessibility. And then we've got the dismissers. And the dismissers, they might do some stuff like recycle regularly, uh, but what they how they differ from the other groups is that they don't feel particularly keen to do more. They feel like what they do is already enough and they don't think of sustainability as something that should drive their own behavior change. We've done, we've recently published the Kantar Sustainability Sector Index where we look at the incidence of these groups and they're quite consistent uh, around across the world in terms of regions. So we see similar proportions um, around the world. What I found interesting in the uh, advertising research we've done is just how differently these groups um, react to ads and how differently they feel towards different scenes and messaging when it comes to sustainability. Uh, So for example, in the co-op spot where we see um, a man going to recycle soft plastic, that spot uses a lot of nature cues and nature connectedness cues. And when we split the facial coding data by the segmentation, we saw the dismissives were left completely untouched by uh, by this uh, spot. It just didn't evoke almost anything. Uh, but when we looked at the Lurpak spot, that's where the dismissives really were smiling. They were really happy at what they were seeing. And that was an ad that didn't actually put a sustainable claim 
forward, but it was still modeling um, sustainable behavior. So it was inspiring without um, preaching or being explicit about what it was asking them to do. So I think the biggest learning for me is to really know your audience as a brand. And I don't think of that at the level of the market, but really at the level of your target group. How are they feeling about sustainability? What do they currently do? Um, what's their level of engagement? And tailor the creative choices and the levers you use to that so that you can resonate and kind of meet them where they're at, as opposed to coming at it from a pedestal of I as a green brand tell you to do X. You've been listening to Future Proof from Kantar and Said Business School. For all episodes and more information, visit kantar.com or oxfordfutureofmarketing.com. If you enjoyed this, please leave us a rating and a review and subscribe within your podcast app so you never miss an episode.